Happy Father's Day. I want to talk about one of the core, core doctrines or experiences of Christian life, experiencing God as Father. And we have such a powerful special treat for all of us this day as we're going to listen to a sister come up and share her story of grace. But for now, uh, if you have your Bibles, let's turn to 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 2. As well as, we're going to go to Romans chapter 8, verses 13 to 17. Okay, this is the Word of God. The Scriptures, I'll read it for us. Just this first verse, uh, verse 2 of 1 Timothy. To Timothy, my true child in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Then flipping over into a few previous books, the book of Romans chapter 8, starting at verse 13. The same author, Apostle Paul. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear... But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. This is God's holy word. While experiencing God as Father. Jesus, the Son, we call him the Son of God. That's how he has revealed himself to us. From eternity past, has enjoyed God as his own Father. And Jesus, the Son, enjoys his Father so much that he came all the way down to earth so that his Father can become our Father who art in heaven. Jesus perfectly and deeply and enjoys his father, what his father is exactly like, so much so, he came down so that his father can become ours. Now, I do have to make it unmistakably clear before we get into this passage really quickly. Just in our day, uh, day and age where the scriptures are so misunderstood and misapplied, I do want to make this unmistakably clear. It is not biblical that we have to obey all laws. Throughout history, Christian people are bound by their consciences to God, first and foremost, sometimes above and against, and it transcends human laws. Also, it's not a biblical law to separate children from parents. I have to make that clear. Because you know, ultimately and ironically, in the heart of Christianity, is God the Father actually having his son separated from him? Ultimately, at the heart of Christian religion, is at the cross, Jesus the Son got torn away from his dad. At the cross, God the Father actually suffered the loss of his one and only begotten son. And that is why, because God went through the infinite cost of adoption, where many more sons and daughters could come into his family, called the kingdom of heaven, God is dead set against ripping away or separating children from their parents. 
And anybody who believes this gospel story, anybody who is affected by this gospel story, that's going to start to become your story when you believe that Jesus the Son gave himself up, up for us all. You're going to look out for the most vulnerable, the most needy, the most defenseless. You're going to represent those who are not represented. Now, I want us to look at Apostle Paul here. Almost every time he mentions God, he writes God, or he sings about God, or he the theologizes about God. Almost every time, it is God as Father. The verse we read, verse 2, chapter 2, he turns around and he talks about young Timothy, who is this young pastor who feels in over his head to correct false doctrine and protect and preach the true doctrine of the gospel according to the glory of God. What does he call him? He says, my true child, my son. Apostle Paul had no kids of his own. But according to Apostle Paul, every time he thought about God, he called him father. And also when he turns around and talks about ministry or pastoral ministry or discipleship, he always put it in terms of father and son relationships. So here's the thesis for this morning. Here's the thesis that I think Paul is getting at in this one verse. And we'll jump to Romans. Everything good. I mean that literally. Everything good for Apostle Paul and for the world flows not from general doctrine. It doesn't come just from good spiritual disciplines. And it certainly does not come from keeping a safe distance. Everything good for Apostle Paul and for the dying world it comes from experiencing God as your father. It comes from this right here. J.I. Packer, an old theologian, wrote a masterpiece entitled Knowing God. And in that book, he observed, quote, everything that makes the New Testament new and better than the old, everything that is distinctively Christian as opposed to merely Jewish is summed up in the knowledge of the fatherhood of God. You see, because a father, any decent one, any half good faithful one, a father brings intimacy, affection, confidence, strength, freedom, and joy. That's what decent fathers do. Here's what J.R. Packer is saying. It can be such a thing that you are forgiven of all your sins, you are justified, you are declared no longer guilty of all your sins before the judge of all of creation and time and space. You walk out of that courtroom legally no longer guilty. That's called justification. Oh, but Packer goes on and Apostle Paul goes on and says, but there's a greater and higher blessing. Justified means you are declared, rendered legally not guilty by the judge. Adoption, it means you get to go home with the judge. Adoption means you get to have that judge call you his son or his beloved daughter. You become a child of royalty. A child of royalty. Oh, Apostle Paul cannot think of God without calling him father. Apostle Paul cannot think of church or pastoral ministry or Christian life without father and son terms. Why? Because adoption is the highest supreme blessing of the gospel, 
The plan of salvation is not to just leave you in a courtroom, but to bring you into such communion, such an experience with God as your Father, that it'll utterly change your life. And God did it at an infinite cost. I'm just going to talk about three vital signs this morning, very quickly. Three vital signs if you've been adopted by God. Three vital signs that you should cultivate and enjoy, which are marks that God has adopted you as his very own. Number one, number one, real children of God. Oh, let's put it this way. Any, <laughs> any living child cries out for the parent. Real children of God cry out for Abba, Father. Abba, Father. Galatians 4, the same apostle writes and talks about this. In verse 15 of Romans chapter 8, which we just read, for we did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Now, crying is a sign that you're alive. Crying is natural of living creatures. Crying is evidence that you have been born. And so this cry that is generated by the very Spirit of God, it's more than just a good instinct. It's a natural drive of every child of God. God puts it into the hearts and into the souls of his own children. This is the common experience of every genuine, born-again Christian believer. Every child is going to want to have some kind of contact with God. Every true living child is going to want to have some kind of communication, a back and forth with God. Every child is going to crave communion, intimacy, enjoyment, affection, freedom. Children of God are going to want to praise. Children of God are, are going to want to grieve and mourn, maybe on this Father's Day. Children of God are going to want to pray. Children of God are going to want to read and hear back from God from the scriptures. That's just what children do. Like, you don't have to be forced to do it. No one has to keep telling you you should do it. Real children of God have a cry. That's just the first vital sign that you are adopted. Now, daily, daily, soon as you leave this place, you're going to be bombarded by all kinds of different voices. You're not good enough. You don't look good enough. Your work sucks. Oh, woe is me, Monday morning traffic. Fatigue, worry, condemnation, rejection, disapproval, stress, heartbreak, daily. That, that is our nature. We hear all these kinds of voices. But can I ask of you, if you are a child of God, do you know that the Spirit of God he cries, and he wants you to listen more to the voice of the Spirit crying out, Abba, Father. Has that voice been silenced? You can quench it. You see, you can be a child of God, but act like a slave. You can be a genuine child of God, but never enjoy it. You can be a true son and daughter of the royalty of the Most High, but 
completely forget and harden your heart toward communion with God. Oh, but in the scriptures, it is very plain. I used to think this, that, oh, Harold, when you become a son or someone else becomes a daughter of God, somehow I thought to myself, it was hard to believe that I would be on the equal footing with Jesus Christ, the son. Well, you know, here's what the scriptures reveal. When God adopts you, he tells you, I love you. I love you exactly the way I love my son. You're not a second-class citizen. You're not in this separate room of the house, out in the backyard. I love you on the equal force and status and condition that I love Jesus the Son. And I don't play favorites. And so you see, my friend, there's no other religion in the world that speaks of adoption in higher terms. And there's no other religion in the world that would dare claim to raise you to higher places or closer places than this. If you have been adopted by God as your father, you are on equal footing. You are that beloved. You are that prized. You are that rewarded. You are that looked after. You are that much prayed for. You are that blessed. As who? As Jesus the Son. Because you get to cry out to God just like he does. Here's the second vital sign. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, gives assurance and security that is natural to the children of God, of the Father's love. The second vital sign that you've been adopted is the Holy Spirit loves to reassure you. The Holy Spirit loves to secure you, anchor you. The Holy Spirit doesn't want you to just believe it in your head. He wants you to totally experience it down to the depths of your soul. Of what? Of the absolute depths and heights and width of the Father's love. This is natural to children. You know, that great Baptist preacher by the name of Charles Spurgeon, he once remarked and shared this incident. I once knew a good woman who was the subject of many doubts. And when I got to the bottom of her doubts, it was this. She knew she loved Christ, but she was afraid Christ did not love her. Here's what Spurgeon said. Oh, that is a doubt that will never trouble me. Never by any possibility, because I am sure of this, that the heart is so corrupt naturally that love to God never did get there without God putting it there. You may rest quite certain that if you love God, it is a fruit, never the root. It is a fruit, not the root. It is the fruit of God's love to you and did not get there by the force of any goodness in you. You may therefore conclude with absolute certainty that God loves you if you love God. So, you know when you have those weird moments, and for some of you it is really weird, it's so rare, that you actually want to sing praise to God, like from the heart. You don't consider the singing part of worship like the irrelevant preparatory part, but it's actually vital to your soul. 
when you actually want to sing praise to God, I, I do want to tell you, you, you can be absolutely certain that has been preceded by God singing over you. If you have ever a desire to pray, like turn down Netflix, not watch all the news, not get distracted by social media, or just veg out on a couch, or just get obsessed with overwork, any night, any morning, any afternoon, you have this strange unction to want to commune, connect, and talk to God. You want to pray. I assure you, that did not come from you. God has been wanting that with you more than you know. For those of us at this church and in our neighborhoods and in our families, you are fathering, you are mothering, you are parenting, you are leading, you are serving, you are teaching children, you're loving and blessing your neighbor. Even when you didn't have a human father who modeled any of that for you. Some of you are so remarkable. It blows me away when I hear your family story. You had no human father who did any of that to you, but then I look at your life and you are mothering and fathering so many people. Let me encourage you, my friend. Do you know why you do that? It's because God in heaven has been fathering you. You can be certain this day that any lover of Jesus Christ, anyone who would desire to be interested in the gospel of Jesus Christ, oh, that is all because God, well before time, was very interested in you. And it just took some time for you to hear him call. It just took some time for you to actually believe he could love you. It just took some time and people for you to start opening up your heart and say, could this be true? God, God, ruler of the cosmos, could become my Abba, Father. Oh, the Holy Spirit loves, loves to reassure and secure all the children of God of the Father's love. Maybe one of my favorite quotes from any Puritan of all time, John Owen, John Owen. He once shared that the greatest unkindness or the greatest sorrow, the greatest unkindness or the greatest sorrow you could ever commit against God is to not believe in his love for you. Did you know that? That the greatest unkindness, the thing that would rip his heart the most is that you would doubt and not be sure of the Father's heart for you. Nothing good originated in you. Everything good flowed from God as Father to Apostle Paul and to every believer and lover of Jesus Christ. I found out it was uh, 10 years ago, I think to be exact, a Grammy award-winning Christian artist and musician by the name of Stephen Curtis Chapman came on to Larry King's uh, CNN show with his uh, wife and three oldest children, and they came on live television to actually share about their suffering. They had just lost their youngest adopted daughter by the name of Maria Sue. And Seaman Curtis Chapman shared 
that when Will Franklin, who was then 17 years of age, drove into their house, he went around to the back, he was in an SUV, and was going towards the back, and little Maria Sue was so excited to see her brother, she ran out right in that pathway, and Will Franklin heard and felt something, the car hit something, he stopped, and he got out of the car, and he discovered something that would change his life forever. And by the way, James Coe turned me on to this new great band. It has two of Stephen Curtis Chapman's sons. It's called Colony House. I'm like an addict now. And in one of their new albums, he, Will Franklin actually talks about this event. But do you know what Stephen Curtis Chapman shared? Not only is he an incredible songwriter, performer, a Christian, evidently a great husband. He sang one of the best love songs I've ever heard. But man, he's a pretty darn good dad too. Because he shared in his desperation and grief while he's being whisked away to the hospital, he saw Will Franklin on the front lawn doubled over in agony. And Stephen said, I had to stop in the yard and I had to tell my son, Will Franklin, Will Franklin, your daddy loves you. Will Franklin, your father loves you. Good dads know when their children need reassurances of the father's love the most. Good dads should know it. And then good dads love to give it. Do you suppose that our Father in Heaven does less? Do you suppose that your, your God in Heaven, this, this general doctrinal kind of religious thing you're going through right now, do you honestly believe that He is content and happy with children who are just never secure, never sure of how much the Father loves them. Verse 16 in Romans chapter 8, the Spirit of God comes and generates a new cry, Abba, Father. And then it goes on to say this, the Spirit bears witness. The Spirit bears witness of what? You are heirs, co-heirs with Christ. You are children of God. You are children of God. Hey, please don't make a mistake here. God the Father cannot love you more. God the Father cannot love you less. But how do you get reassured and reminded of God absolutely loves, loves you? Trust and obey, trust and obey. Look, when you trust and obey the Father, it doesn't get God to love you more. And if you don't obey, it gets him to love you less. Here's what it does. When you trust and obey God the Father, it frees you up to fully experience and enjoy his love. You see, children get to decide, obey, or trust. The Father's just going to love you the same. But the way that the Holy Spirit reassures and secures his children is, would you please come and trust and obey me? Two vital signs so far. Generates a new cry, a new cry. Second, the Holy Spirit loves, loves to reassure and give security of the Father's love that is natural to children. Third, last one, we're done. 
God's spirit also makes sure that his family likeness appears in you. The spirit of God guarantees to make every son and daughter beloved of his more like him. His family likeness will appear in you. It's inevitable, it's unavoidable, it's progressive. My beautiful, darling, little sister-in-law by the name of Glory got married yesterday to Philly Kim, who I couldn't believe danced a Tupac Shakur song for his first dance with his mom. I'm so glad that Philly is like a Corleone who is converted to Christ by now, thank God. I had the time of my life, what a blast. My mom, to celebrate my in-laws, she came all the way up from San Diego. My mom has a funny tendency. Almost every time she sees me, she will say something, although my dad is long gone, of something that reminds her of my dad and me. He's long gone. And most of it is good, some of it's bad. I can't believe, Harold, how much you're just like your dad. You remind me of it. Hey, I, I have never tried or like woken up for the last 20-something years and say, oh, I wonder what my dad would do today. I'm just going to copy that. It's almost frightening to me. Oh, I was born of him and, wow, I kind of act like him for better or for worse. Do you know that there's nothing bad or unhealthy? There's nothing worse about you becoming like your father in heaven? And he's going to make sure you do it. He's going to make sure you become just like him. You know, an adopted child was found hiding all kinds of food in little Ziploc bags in different corners of his room. Again, an adopted child, and he'd been stealing it from family meals and snacks And then his adoptive father discovered this, that his adopted son was stealing food and foraging it and eating it late at night when no one was watching or listening. And so the adoptive father took his adopted son and sat him down on the bed and asked him, why do you do this? And the adopted son said, well, my biological parents at one point when I got punished, they locked me away for a weekend and they didn't give me any food. And so the adoptive father looked him in the eye and told him, son, Not in this family. That will never happen to you in this family. We will always love you. We will always look after you. And we will always take care of you. You don't have to steal or hide food in your room. And I'm sure what a wonderful moment that was for the adopted son. But can I ask you something else? Do you think the adopted son, after that one time, just believed it? And changed overnight? Now, I I think that adoptive father is going to probably have to tell that son again. And again. And again and again and again and again and again. And again and again and again and again and again. Maybe for months. Maybe for years. Maybe a decade. But that's okay. Because a father loves to make sure his son and daughter can trust that he is good and he is loving. How many times do you think God the Father, it would take for him until you and I really believe and behave 
like sons and daughters, not slaves, how many times would it take? I don't know, I've lost count. But that's okay. You know, I've got to be very careful as a preacher. It's one of the other things I'm aware of. As I talked about exaggeration last week, my wife says, Harold, you exaggerate on illustrations about her, not the scriptures. I've got to be careful. But this is with zero exaggeration. It has never, never, ever, ever been burdensome or difficult for me as a father to say and to show my absolute affection and adoration and love for Taylor and Elizabeth. Never. I don't know when that day will come. Never burden for a father to show his children how much he loves them. It has become a burden to them now as teenagers. That's a sad story. But never burden to me. Once again, you don't think God, your Father in heaven, could do any better. You don't think your Father in heaven wants you to be sure and reminded and sure and reminded until you behave and function like a child of royalty and no longer like a slave. These are three vital signs that the Holy Spirit loves to give to you and I where we get to cry, we get reassured, and we grow up in his family likeness. Oh, we live in a day and age, I know, with so many worries and stresses. Some of you have insomnia. Some of you have fatigue. Some of you have health illnesses. Some of your relationships are breaking apart. You might be looking at a divorce. Financially, you're really, really stressed out of your mind. You're upset at somebody. You feel like every day is just an incredible challenge or chore. That's the day we live in. Some people have lost their dad just this weekend in the last year and a half, mourning on this day. How do you handle that? Here's the two common coping mechanisms I hear all the time. Hey, you know what? You should think and make yourself bigger, better, and stronger. And then on the other hand, they say, you know, you should just make your small problems smaller. Medicate it. Numb yourself. Avoid it. Don't think about it. Kill off its pain. But do you know what the psalmist says in chapter 23, verse 4, when he says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he does not make himself bigger. He does not pretend to make his problems smaller. No, he just clings to someone who is with him in that valley. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I know that you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The psalmist learned to cling to someone greater in the valley. Because you know in the valley, God the Father lost it all. He lost his son. Evil overcame him. So that this Father in heaven, who heals and surpasses all fathers to come, can never lose you. This Father will never lose sight of you. And he can never stop loving you. Let's experience it. And that'll change our lives. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you this morning for the precious 
reality and experience of adoption at an infinite cost to you, but infinite blessings and pleasures and privilege for us. Oh Lord, please deepen the cry of your children in this room. I pray that you would generate brand new cries of those who have not known you yet. Bring them to yourself to see that Jesus died for them. Oh Lord, help us to listen and pay attention to and soak in all the reassurances, all the security that is natural for God's children. And we do pray that you would make Christ central, a family in whom your likeness appears. Hear us, we pray. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.